it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. I thought I'd try a different way of saying behind then, Kieran, but it didn't quite come off. I got caught between, <laughs> I got caught between two stools, uh, which in medieval times would be a rather a rude pun, but there you are. Uh, how are you, Kieran? You're in a, you're in a different place today. Yeah, I'm, I'm still up in Liverpool. I'm... I'm uh... I'm teaching here Monday through Thursday, so uh, uh, I'm doing my my tour of Liverpool hotels. Monday through Thursday, hark at, hark at you, Mister Mister Mid Atlantic. And <laughs> <laughs> um, rather a nice football show you've gone to today, kids. Lovely shirt that one. Yes, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's it's Bohemians away shirt, which people might say, oh. well, why on earth is he wearing that? But actually, it's uh, that the shirt sponsor is Fontaine's DC. Who are one of my favourite bands? So, so any connection between music and football, I'm there. I've got the new order shirts. I've got uh, the you know, I even got wet, wet, wet being sponsoring Clyde Bank, whoever it was. You know, I'll, I'll dig those out. Uh, do, do you know you'll be pleased to know I have the wet, wet, wet Clyde Bank cool. shirt. Yeah, um, a friend of mine bought it for me a long time ago for a birthday, uh, saying that will be an investment. Uh, so, so far. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for the right moment to cash in on the wet, wet, wet Clydebank t-shirt. Uh, it's Newsday, Kieran. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say, for once, it's, it's not all doom and gloom, which is, um, I'm not sure we might as well call it, a, a, have a day off. It's, 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 but there, there is, uh, there's one big news story, Kieran, which is getting people animated. Um, Manchester United, Public money, discuss. Yes. Um, I, I, th- I think the journalist who wrote this is from the Neil Mope school of uh, <laughs> writing up potential uh, architectural developments wing of, of, of the media. Um, so it, it's, you know, we, we've said on many occasions that Old Trafford has fallen behind the times. It, it's not. It's not a 21st century stadium. Um, yeah, as away fans, it's crap. I think for home fans, when I speak to to my mates who, who's you know season ticket holders at United, they say you know it's it's medieval, um, really poor facilities. So, um, so Jim Ratcliffe has said, and he's saying all the right things, and, and you know, and also fair play for him to for attending the uh, memorial uh, in, in retrospect, you know, in respect of. 
uh, the Munich air disaster. So he, he 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 physically attended, and it's very noticeable that the Glazers have never done that. So, you know, I, I think he 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 does have a, a closer connection. But we, we we've said they've got two choices: they can either sort of go through the Lego approach and, and add bits and pieces to the existing stadium, or they they can bite the bullet um, and do a Spurs uh, and effectively completely redevelop from, from the bottom up. Um, and if that latter is going to be the case, clearly it's going to be very expensive. You know, Manchester United could easily fill a 90,000 capacity stadium every week. Um, so the cost, realistically, we're not going to get a lot of change out of £2 billion. One of the journalists, uh, I think it's James Ducker in, in The Telegraph, has said, could, uh, could they be tapping into the levelling up fund? Um, yeah, which the government has announced and uh, recently was, uh, you know, offering places, offering financial assistance to, to those northerly towns such as, you know, Swindon and so on, uh, amongst <laughs> others. Uh, and this this sort of set the hairs running because Manchester United is a private business, and and, and as I've said, you know. I, I would like there to be a new Old Trafford because I've you know, I lived forty years of my life in Manchester. It, it will provide more jobs for my mates that go on a new weekly basis. You know they'll get better facilities as, as will all fans. So that's fine. Should the funding come from public sources? Well, well, let's take a look at the background of this. Ultimately, you know, Sir Jim Ratcliffe is a Monaco resident who has bought a quarter of the company, or is about to buy the quarter of a company via an Isle of Man based vehicle called Troller Limited. Um, Manchester United itself uh, is registered in the Cayman Islands. Its shares are traded in New York and it's majority owned from the, by the Glazers who are based in Florida. So it doesn't intuitively look appropriate for uh, the levelling up fund, which is to acknowledge that uh, you know, there, there are places in, in the north of England and, and elsewhere that economically are deprived and do require additional uh, funding for employment, social issues and so on. Should that money be going to, to such an organisation? My gut feel is, is no. You know, so Jim Ratcliffe is the richest person in the country. Um, he also has a pretty good credit rating, as does Ineos, so that they can borrow money cheaply, just as Spurs managed to do, um, and deal with it on appropriate terms. So you know, that's, that's the position. I personally think that it's unlikely that the government would use the, uh, the levelling up fund. If there are regional grants available for these things, that, then, then fine, you know, tap, potentially tap into those. I don't have less of an issue there. Um, and then, you know, the cynic in me goes, well, hold on, it's election year. Um, and uh, you and I, I, th- I think we're probably both old enough to remember the, the Humber Bridge, um, and the, the somewhat mysterious decision to to build that when there was a by election due in Hull, I think it was it under the Wilson government, getting back nineteen sixty seven. Um, so you, you know, the, the, sometimes things are done, uh, you know, because that's how politics works. Uh, so I, I I don't want to become uh, too jaundiced, but doing this show has has, has left me that way. Uh, I, I personally think it's highly unlikely that that the levelling up fund would be used. And if it is being used, I think it's completely inappropriate for that to be the case. I'm going to be honest with you, Kieran, here. My my memories of the circumstances around the construction of the Humber Bridge are sketchy. 
<laughs> to be honest, my, my memories of where I was last night are, are somewhat sketchy. So asking me if I can remember <laughs> whether it was the Wilson government <laughs> that suddenly stumped up the money to cross that, I, I, I don't know. I suppose <clears throat> one of the reasons rich people stay very rich, Kieran, is that they, where possible, find other people to spend money that they uh, then can avoid spending. So you wouldn't be surprised. If this, and I suppose as well, you would look at um, uh, the area around Man City, which has been incredibly, um, it's, well, it's, it's benefited incredibly. The, the, eco- the economy of that part of the, the city has benefited incredibly from, the, from uh, Manchester City's success. Hmm. But <clears throat> Manchester City paid for it as well. So there is an argument that you could say, well, you know, parts of Manchester need help with yeah. this regeneration. But why would you help, as you say, some of the richest people in the world when they could be doing it? Yeah. And and also if if we if the Gla yeah, the Glazers clearly are, are based from the US and they are aware of sort of the psychology of sports franchises in the States where owners will say build us a new stadium and we will bring a franchise to your place. So, so you know, the billionaire owners are used to getting their own way in terms of the facilities that are offered in individual towns and cities. Now, again, I think it's completely different in the UK because, um, you know, if, if the Glazers said, well, let, let's, let's apply to Dublin, let's shift Manchester United to Dublin. And I think this was, you know, it was an option, yeah. Mooted. Yeah. Once upon a time, I think again, alcohol may have been involved, um, but there and treat it as a pure franchise that would have you know, half of Manchester up in arms, and, and I think all all true Manchester United fans would feel the same. But we're living in a world in which never say never. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's strange times. I, 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 it just, it doesn't look right and doesn't feel right. But yeah, if you want to protect the blue wall from a from a government's point of view, you could say, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 chuck in a bit bit here, a bit there to to assist. Yeah, we, we've mentioned both Manchester City and Neil Mope already in the first ten minutes of this pod, Kieran, which leads me to mention. I, I know producer guy doesn't like us talking about football, and you tell me that Neil Mope is actually a very nice chap off the pitch, uh, on the pitch, as you say, he's a. Petit Maison de Merde, <laughs> yes. but I just I just love the fact that Kyle Walker would have turned up at Brentford on on Monday thinking, well, I know these stories have been in the tabloids about me having multiple children by multiple wives, but I, I doubt if any of the opposition will be, will mention that. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Chatham House rules will prevail in this situation, and they'll they'll let me get on. And quite clearly, Neil Mope had been reading the tabloids. It seems. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought it was the innocent look on Neil Mope's face when Carl Walker complained to the referee. And Neil Mope, going, I, mean, I, I don't remember because. saying anything. Me. <laughs> um, I, I'm not suggesting, Kieran. In fact, I, I know for a fact. I doubt if there any Everton or Nottingham Forest fans. Are at home to conspiracy theories, Kieran. I, I really don't think they, they they live in that sort of world. But I think there'll be some Everton and Nottingham Forest fans interested in the fact that the, the Premier League are looking at their own rules on FFP. Yes, so there is a shareholders meeting of the Premier League taking place this week. It's a, it's a two day meeting, so it will be quite extensive. Um, and from what, what I've read, yeah, we uh, I think there's going to be two 
main areas that are going to be focused on, the first of which, as you, you absolutely said, was in respect of cost control and, and where do we go. If we take a look at the history of the cost control measures, when they were initially discussed by Michel Platini, he said there's too much debt in football. And people said, well, we need to reduce the amount of borrowings. And that was fine until somebody tapped him on the shoulder and he said, uh, you, you do realise that PSG, who was one of the clubs they were concerned about, that's that's finance from Qatar. Manchester City, another club who they were concerned about, that's, that's uh, controlled by Abu Dhabi. And both of those are uh, based in the Middle East, as we know, both the Muslim countries and Islamic finance says we don't have the traditional loans and interest. So they don't have debt. They are both funded through shares and, and other means. So uh, they went back to the drawing board and they came up with uh, what we now effectively have as a break-even model. And those rules were introduced by both UEFA and the Premier League in around about 2013. So, so the current rules are that you can only lose £105 million over three years. That's not been index-linked since 2013, and, and some people have pointed this out, including me. Um, and therefore, is it moving with the times? So it looks as if, and this again is based on some of the comments that Richard Masters made when he presented to the Parliamentary Committee, it looks as if we're going to move to a form of soft wage cap and from sort of again sort of what the leaks are and the comments that have been made if you qualify for european competition um you're going to have what we refer to as a squad salary cap and this means that players wages perhaps including the, the, the manager as well players wages plus agents fees plus your your net transfer cost how that's defined we don't yet know can be no more than 70 percent of income if you're in Europe and if you're not qualifying for, for Europe, it can be 85% because um, that, that those clubs that qualify for Europe, that aligns with UEFA's rules, which is 70%. So it makes sense for those clubs anyway. And, and for the others, it allows them to spend more money on wages because they've not got the benefit of the money coming in from UEFA. So, so that's where they are. Is it good or bad? Well, it... It does index link things because if revenues go up, it allows you to spend more money on wages. So there's a case for saying, you know, that is sort of future proofing the rules. Um, I look at it and say, if you've got an ambitious club, if you've got a club where, who have got new owners who who want to accelerate the club, and you know, we look to see what we've seen with Villa, um, you know, Everton under Mashiri, that's what he wanted to do. We now have. Uh, of course, Newcastle and PIF. These these are the numbers. Manchester City's revenue is seven hundred million pounds last season. That means that they can spend four hundred and ninety million pounds on wages. Newcastle United's revenue was two hundred and fifty million pounds. That means they can only spend one hundred and seventy five million pounds on wages. So they they're starting the season at a three hundred million pound deficit. How do you narrow the gap between Manchester City and Newcastle? Because by having that advantage, it means that Manchester City, I'm not picking on Manchester City here because it's the same for Liverpool and Manchester United and, and, and uh, the other clubs in the big six. Um, the chances of those clubs qualifying for the Champions League are that much higher, which brings them in extra revenue, which keeps them 
in that position. And and the aim here is very much, uh, you know, keeping the the trap door firmly shut for aspirational clubs, for clubs that have got new owners. Um, you know, we, we, we have to park, you know, you know, any reservations we have about the owners. If that's a separate story, it's a separate discussion. But it certainly is reinforcing the existing status quo in terms of the pecking order in football. Were these potential rule changes already on the table, Kieran, or are they um, a response to the outcry over Everton and Forest? No, I think they were very much already being discussed at previous meetings. Um, and uh, Richard Masters, who it, it was not a polished performance from him, so whether he meant to let this out, whether he felt he was under pressure from the MPs because he was getting a bit of a kicking and released this sort of into the public domain. I'd certainly heard it from journalists uh, before because part of the issue, part of the problem with these Premier League shareholder meetings is that there's there's 20 chairman stroke chief executives attending the meetings um, and yeah, you know some of them, I know some of them. They all like a talk. They like to gossip, just just as you and I do, you know. And and therefore, of course, they're straight on to, to journalists in in their WhatsApp groups saying, "This is what we decided." So, um, I think the Premier League, following this meeting, is is a it's got a really awkward position. It would make sense if it released the minutes of those those meetings as quickly as possible. Otherwise, we get it going through two or three WhatsApp groups, and then it goes out in one of the uh, public, you know, in one of the newspapers, one of the online publications, whatever it's going to be, as as a story. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. The other element of this two day meeting is the the civil war which is taking place in respect of the Premier League, in respect of the New Deal with the Championship uh, and the rest of the EFL. Um, there are more and more factions within the Premier League itself. It used to be the big six against the other 14. It's now that they're all sort of moving positions. It's become very fluid. Uh, so trying to work out who's aligned with who is difficult. It's, it's a bit like watching Traitors or with uh, uh, with BBC One, on, on, yeah, which uh, which the Baroness absolutely loves. But it, it, you know, it's one of those programs that went completely over my head. It didn't involve amortisation. I'm not interested. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. Um, but I, I think, as far as the New Deal is concerned, how much money is going to be made available? What's going to happen in terms of parachutes? Um, and what concessions or stroke control is the Premier League going to try to enforce? over the EFL, because it's it's not going to give money away for nothing. It's going to have significant strings attached. And again, speaking to some of our snouts um, in, the, in the EFL um, clubs, they're saying their fear is that the Premier League will say, we'll give you this money, but as part of the deal... Um, when it comes to the independent regulator, and we know that the the Premier League is very opposed to the independent regulator, uh, the regulator can only look at something if both the Premier League and the EFL ask them to look at it. And given that the Premier League is always going to say, no, nah, not needed, mate, um, it, it, it effectively um, you know, castrates the ability of the regulator to regulate. So that that's... Sort of where we are. Um, I, I'm, I suspect it will be a feisty meeting, um, and any flies on any walls will be uh, more than welcome to join the uh, Price of Football WhatsApp group. 
uh, it's about time we had a secret fly, Kieran. We got a secret. Yes. <clears throat> I'm like I've I've never seen traitors uh, for the simple reason that I'm childishly stubborn, and everyone tells me you have to watch traitors. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> In the same way, I've never I've not seen Breaking Bad or The Wire, uh, but I have seen every episode of Death in Paradise twice. So I, I think I might be. I think I might be cutting my nose off to spite my own face here. <laughs> uh, it never occurred to me either that these Premier League meetings would, would be minuted uh, some, uh, in a strange sort of way. I just wonder who they make. Do they make the club at the bottom of the table uh, uh, take the minutes? <laughs> is, is that right? Sheffield United, you're who, Who's got the neatest handwriting? Oh, that's what well, it always used to be when I attended meetings. But it, it, it does beg the question of why... Why they never released them in? It would solve a lot of problems. It, it, yeah, it would stop a lot of gossip as well. If you just, although it, having it's not, said it's that, not a transparent organisation. No, it's not at all. Having said that, having been involved in uh, NHS industrial relations, I do know that minutes are a, they don't always reflect what actually <laughs> yes. happened uh, in the meeting. So you, when you use words, uh, the chairman made his views robustly known, so which meant he told someone to fuck off. Um, <laughs> This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by NordVPN. If you use unsecure public Wi-Fi connections with your laptop or mobile device and worry about whether your data is safe, using NordVPN can protect you. With NordVPN, your internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel which protects your data and privacy. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices. So that's your laptop, phone, smart TV, tablet, and even your router can all get the same level of protection. NordVPN is fast, easy to use, and you can connect with one click or even enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. I use it wherever I go. Price of Football listeners can go to nordvpn.com slash priceoffootball now to get an exclusive deal. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash priceoffootball. Be quick, because this offer is available for a limited time only. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I'm not entirely sure, Kieran, why this next story has uh, agitated as many people as it has, or indeed why it's even been such a a, a, a public event in a way. But it, it involves the announcement of where the next World Cup final will be, Kieran, and it seems to have annoyed some people. Yes. Uh, so FIFA have announced that the uh, next World Cup final in 2026 for the competition shared between Mexico, Canada, and the United States of America is taking place in the New York, New Jersey Stadium. So it's currently known as the MetLife Stadium, but you're not allowed to have sponsored stadium names in FIFA competitions. So for a period of six and a half weeks, um, they're going to rename the stadium. 
I can just imagine the good citizens of New Jersey saying, "Okay, yeah, for the next six weeks, we'll we're going to park the name." <laughs> yeah, they're they're a compliant bunch, aren't they, in, in New Jersey? Um, and then you you look at it, and, and here I am indebted to uh, again one of our regular listeners who said, "This is an absolute disaster because." If you take a look at uh, transport links to New Jersey, they're, they're not great. You know, both you know, bus and train links. It, it does it does have a huge car park, but if it's say you know, let, let's say that it's it's Argentina versus France in the final, well, you're not going to have many Argentinian fans or French fans who are going to have cars. So therefore, you are reliant on a rather uh, antiquated and rickety. Uh, public transport system, which isn't great. It's an 85,000 capacity stadium, i.e. there's a lot of money to be made in terms of ticket sales, from which I suspect was driving FIFA's point of view. Um, but it's got no roof. Now, anybody, and, and I, I, I teach in New York in the summer, um, and I teach in, you know, in June and July, and New York is, I love New York, it is horrendous in terms of heat and humidity. Um, so that's going to impact upon playing. And the other major feature that you get is that you get regular, so I wouldn't say they're tropical storms, but you get regular huge downpours. So you've got 85,000 people in a stadium. And now people say, well, hold on, you know, other people go there and, and it's not on a roof. It's, it's normally used for NFL games and the NFL season, of course, is sort of you know, October, November, December. So, People are not used to having to deal with, with that as an issue. Um, why have FIFA gone for this? Well, they are very much promoting it as New York. And, you know, New York, as I said just, just now, fantastic city, so iconic, great restaurants, you know, so many places to visit. Um, it, it's absolutely wonderful, and, and that's how they will be selling it. And of course, all the FIFA bigwigs they'll be travelling in the air-conditioned limousines and coaches to the to the match. It, it won't affect them. But I, I do think that that fans, as usual, have been very much sidelined here for the benefit of FIFA and other you know, sponsorship executives um, and and money. It, uh, FIFA and money, Kieran, you, and you say you're not cynical. It's interesting, Kieran, isn't it? If um, if soccer fans in America had been told that the World Cup final in Russia or in Qatar was going to be in a stadium with no roof and really, really poor transport links, they'd be saying, well, why is the World Cup in these countries? Mm. And yet here we are giving the World Cup final to a stadium with no roof and very, as you say, very bad transport links. So, you know... It's. I almost feel retrospectively we should apologise to a few of our Saudi Arabian listeners who are so quick to to pull us up when we say the World Cup shouldn't be in these countries because you you can equally make the same argument about the World Cup not being in America. Yeah. And, and again, on the same as human rights issues as well in some of the states where the World Cup will oh, be taking grief. place. Let's yeah. Yeah. This is a strange one, Kieran. UEFA are obviously concerned about potential match fixing, but they're going about... <laughs> investigating it in a rather strange and public way. Yes. Um, this came up on my LinkedIn feed um, where you do get jobs being advertised. Um, <laughs> and, and this was this was a very unusual one. Um, we, we want a match-fixing inspector, yeah, which, which is a pretty 
pretty new, a pretty precise laser laser job. Um, and the, the the rationale behind it is is great. It's to protect the integrity of the game. You know, we, we've had this discussion before that you know one of our secret managers has been in that position where when he was a manager of a club in another country and this is not this is not being xenophobic here um he, he was asked by the owner um we're losing this match 3-1 and it's nothing to do with gambling it was to do to relationship between the owner and the owner of another club and this was settling a a contractual dispute or, or you know, for a favour or something like that. And, and yeah, that's the way things sometimes go. Um, so you're know, trying to, to prove that. But clearly UEFA does take its responsibilities uh, very seriously. Um, and also, if you look at the, the history of football in this country, there, there have been instances of, of match fixing and so on. Um, and also, if you talk about the United States, if you look, you know, the, the, you know, was it Babe Ruth was, was involved in, in something similar? So, you know, you know we, we're not in a position to point any fingers here. Um, but it's to, it's to assist the, the match fixing unit they've got. Uh, you, I didn't know they had a match-fixing unit at UEFA. Um, so they're looking for somebody, if, if anybody is interested. Um, it sort of had well, got five years in experience of law enforcement and investigations. In terms of the qualifications, got of an undergraduate degree, ideally perhaps of a master's as well, impacts something such as criminology and criminal justice, language skills, English a must, ideally another language as well. Um, so... Uh, I think it's based in Switzerland, um, so you must like Toblerone, and, and that's uh, yeah, all part <laughs> of of what's uh, what's there. But you know, fair play to UEFA. Yeah, we, we give UEFA stick uh, when we think it's deserved, and, and in terms of you know, the, the treatment of fans uh, at, at some matches, it is. is. But uh, at least they are trying to preserve uh, the integrity of the game because you know, it, we, we know that there's issues in other sports. Mm. Shame on you for going for that terrible, lazy Swiss stereotype about Toblerone there. Really, I, 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 I would have gone straight for must-like hidden Nazi gold. That's what I would have gone for. <laughs> um, it's, um, it, I mean, it's an interesting one, Kieran, because it, it, it does rather worryingly imply that match-fixing is a, it, is a big problem. I mean, if there's, a, if there's a whole unit or they're setting up a whole unit, you, then... They're not doing it because they think this might happen in the future. They're clearly worried that it's happening on a regular basis now. Well, I, I think they they do have a responsibility to the game. You know, we as, as much as we both support clubs who are effective underdogs, we still go into every match with that belief that it could be our ninety minutes, um, and that it is down to eleven versus eleven, and the idea that it could be any way preordained otherwise you end up with you know wwe don't you where where everything is scripted um and you know if people want to go and believe that as as being sport that that's their prerogative of course but but we the romantic in us and also yeah we, we pay a lot of money to watch football as do the people who have the tv subscriptions and you do that because of the concept of you know, some sort of sporting integrity, the, the chance that uh, you know, a good little one can be a good big one. And, and we, we've seen that with some of the FA Cup results uh, recently, which are absolutely fantastic. You know, the Maidstone results at Ipswich, great stuff. 
Leicester winning the Premier League in 2016. Great stuff. Um, and that's that's part of the romance of the game. And I think that's part of the value of the game. So, so FIFA, sorry, UEFA do have that responsibility. And I think this is evidence that they're taking it seriously. Mm. I, on the whole, I, I do even now with the current management structure we have go into every game thinking Palace could probably win this. Uh, and then I discover that Darren England is the referee. And I mean, oh, well, might as well go home. Um, talking to managers, Kieran, I'm, I'm very surprised that one of our news stories isn't Neil Warnock's travel expenses. <laughs> I'd be really interested to know what part of the contract they discussed. That's a big old commute, isn't it, in the morning? Plymouth, yeah, Plymouth. He normally travels by tractor, doesn't he? He's, he's now goes, living on his farm. That, that's going to take a while. He <laughs> goes everywhere by tractor. Um, it'll make life more interesting in, in Scottish football yes. for a short moment. Maybe now is the time to get Neil Doncaster back on. Just to, <laughs> to, <laughs> his life is going to be slightly less quiet for a while. Um, <laughs> In recent months, Kieran, the multi-club ownership model as one that's been exercising our listeners, I think, more than most stories, even more than FFP, the multi-club ownership model is something that's arousing suspicion and mistrust. And there's a story coming out of Manchester City um, that is potentially fuel to the fire for those people who are not happy about that uh, MCO model. Yes, so this is this is as you're right. You said it's it's Manchester City. It's actually you know, the broader issue of the City Football Group, and it's to it's in respect of a a 19 year old player called Savio, who joined the the French second division or division de or, or Ligue de, um, Troy Troyes, um, but he's never played for them. So he's, he's been with them for a couple of seasons. I think in the first season, he was uh, loaned out to PSV. And, and that intuitively seems a bit strange. You, you sign a kid at 17 or 18 in the French second division, and immediately they get a step up um, and they go to PSV. And then this season, he and PSV aren't connected to the City Football Group, but this season, uh, Troy's are part of, of uh, City Football Group. This season, he was being linked, or sorry, he's been loaned to Girona, which is, I think it's 44% owned by by CFG. Um, Girona are having a fantastic season. They are. Um, yeah, it looks yeah. like they potentially could qualify for the Champions League, if not do even better. Uh, so he's been on loan there. He scored goals and so on. And it now looks as if he has been signed um, by Manchester City. Um, so we've got a transfer from one member of the MCO to another. And we've discussed this on regular occasions, especially in, in respect to Watford and Udinese, if you take a look at the number of transfers then. And also, if you, if you look at the history of Manchester City and it, within the City Football Group, you know, when they signed Aaron Moyes effectively for a free transfer, never played for Manchester City, went on loan to Huddersfield, and then they sold him to Huddersfield for £10 million. Where did Manchester City add £10 million worth of value to that player's development? So um, I think the concern here from from the cynics, and, and you know, we're not part of that group, is that are Manchester City going to be able to get this player for a knockdown price because it's from another member of the City football group? And we, we, well, we don't know what the price is going to be. Yeah, there's talk of £30 million, Thirty million for a nineteen-year-old that's never played in the Premier League doesn't seem cheap or expensive. You know, if he's a promising player, then that's probably the going rate. But I think it's it's all part of this this much broader suspicion that um, the nature of the MCO it allows for the transfer of assets at 
prices which are not necessarily at market rates. And then you have to have a fair value committee being formed. Um, but, but how do you decide yeah, if it's going to be done on transfer market or algorithms? Um, that's one thing. But it, it, it again, it just makes you feel slightly uneasy. And again, going forwards in terms of the MCO, what is going to happen when we've got this 32 club world club FIFA championship taking place where you could have two or three clubs from the city football group or controlled by PIF or whoever the, the owners are going to be. Um, because going back to what we were talking about in the previous story, integrity of the game, then the fingers are going to be starting to wag. Mm. <clears throat> to, to be fair to Man City, Kieran, uh, Palace in the summer paid 21 million quid for a Brazilian teenager with no uh, Premier League experience and unlikely to get any because Roy Hodgson won't pay it, won't play him. But uh, City would argue that in those circumstances, £30 million these days, although mm. you know, 10 years ago, even £30 million would be eyebrow raising. Now it's it's almost a bargain, isn't it? It's almost, yeah. you know, if they spot potential in a player, then £30 million isn't that much money in the context of what they have, even if it's to stop that player potentially going to another club. Yep. Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it adds fuel to those people who, who don't like MCOs. There are theoretical benefits, as we've discussed in previous times. Yeah. If Everton and Forest fans, who we've already discussed, Kieran, are looking for straws to clutch at, then outside the Premier League, two teams have had um, punishments reduced. Yes. So this is uh, Swindon Town and Doncaster Rovers. Um, Swindon Town are slowly getting onto my amber list. Uh, fact, not slowly, they are on my amber list of, of clubs. That I, think they're, I'm, I am genuinely concerned about them again. Although I, I also see a route out of it, which, which we'll, we'll discuss elsewhere. Um, so the EFL, um, yeah, and, and we said, you know, people say we we, we criticise organisations. The EFL have really upped their game in the last couple of years, and, and what they've said to clubs: if you are late paying HMRC, if you are late paying transfers, if you are late paying wages, we're going to come down on you. And in respect of Swindon, um, they they were given a a nominal fine, two thousand uh, pounds, but a three window transfer ban for late payment to HMRC and also late payment to to football creditors. And and I've spoken to our secret Robin in relation to this, and they said, yeah, it was it took place over the summer. The 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 we call him the new owner, but he's been here a couple of years now. Clem Morfuni, he. He appears to be having a few cash-related issues, and you know the money's not been going out on time. They're trying to get their act together, so that was an initial three three uh, transfer ban. But Swindon appealed, and it's now been made a one window ban plus one window suspended. I.e., if you uh, if you're late with anything, will automatically trigger that. And the similar uh, scenario has taken place in respect of. Doncaster Rovers again initially a three window ban that has been reduced on appeal so it does show that these commissions are not going to be dogmatic in terms of determining an appropriate tariff for misdemeanors and yeah we know that the Everton 
appeal took place last week. Um, when's the answer? When's, when's the report going to come out? From what I'm hearing, I think the earliest we can expect is uh, about a week's time. Could come out on Valentine's Day. Huh. Um, I have booked a meal with the Baroness. Um, <laughs> could, could, could be getting. Um, can I get my excuses in early? Uh, put, put, I think Ali's away on tour. Put me on standby, Kieran. I'll, I'll, right. I'll, go, okay. I'll go down at short notice and take your place. <laughs> um, and as a Leeds fan, I'll also take take my place um, as as we know from our trip to Jersey. But indeed, indeed, <laughs> he's um, not yet got a number. Doncaster, Kieran. A really interesting example of how almost overnight football fortunes can change because I mean, five or six years ago, I remember we played them in the FA Cup and five or six years ago, people were talking about Doncaster as a potential regular member of the championship. They were playing really good football. Now, here they are all of a sudden, uh, they probably won't go out of the league because there are two worst clubs in them, but they're, they're languishing at the bottom of, hmm. of League Two. It's And that's uh, that hasn't taken long for that to happen, Kieran, has it? No, no. Uh, football clubs are running at a loss, so you are reliant upon owners to to plug that gap. And due to a change of circumstances, due to yeah, as we said before, if if I'm a club owner and you know, I'm I'm being abused at matches and on social media, and I'm saying, well, hold on, you know, I'm I'm putting a hundred grand a month into supporting this club, or five hundred grand a month, or whatever it's going to be. Why am I doing this? I'm I'm going to turn the taps off. Um, it, it, you can see why clubs end up in these scenarios with having cash problems, and the owner says, "Well, the last people I'm going to pay is HMRC. You know, they're no friends of of us." And as a result of that, the EFL will apply the the appropriate sanctions. And the EFL have a good and close working relationship with HMRC, from what I understand. And you know, that's something I think the independent regulator, should it be formed, is likely to uh, have as well. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Three clubs, Kieran, have posted, I can say they're not huge operating losses, but have posted operating losses. The first of whom is probably a surprising one given the amount of money their owners have. Yes. So this is Stoke City. Um, and I think Stoke City is an interesting scenario because the, certainly the former head, former chief executive of Stoke City has been very vocal in 
the criticism of having financial fair play, and you can understand it from that perspective. Uh, you know, Stoke were relegated. What was it? Twenty nineteen, I think it was, um, and they've they've not set the championship alight. They have been losing money, substantial sums. So, so last season, they lost £26 million on an operating basis. And operating losses are effectively your day-to-day revenues, less your day-to-day costs. Now, they did sell, I think it was Harry Souter that brought in 15 million. They still got a substantial loss. Um, they, they will say, we're owned by Bet365. Uh, you know, our, our senior executive, Denise Coates, yeah, she's she's taking home four hundred million pounds a year. Yeah, that that's that's twelve years of, of Stoke City's income. You know, why can't we fund the club to a greater extent and uh, you know help it to return to the Premier League? And from Stoke's point of view, you understand the argument. From the point of view of other clubs in the EFL, you understand their point. You say, well, if that's going to be the case, we, you know, why bother turning up if, if you can simply justify success? Um, so we have seen the the wages of Stoke. They, they've dropped the first season in the championship. They were paying twenty six grand a week on average. That's now down to about fourteen, which is which is sort of an average wage as far as the championship is concerned. Um, but if we take a look at the clubs which have reported recently in the championship, you know, Preston have lost a load of money, Bristol City have lost a load of money, here's Stoke losing half a million pounds a week. Um, it's it's just non-stop and it becomes the norm. And the attitude of fans is we should be at the limit of our FFP losses. Because if you're not doing that, you're not ambitious, is, is the accusation levelled by fans. Now, in the case of Stoke, they've got owners that can underwrite those losses, but not every club's in that scenario. And, and I think there is a lack of uh, understanding and sympathy for the position of some owners who are you know, devoted to the club, but don't have these financial resources to, to, to fund uh, forevermore the, uh, the losses being incurred. Uh, another big club in the championship, Kieran, another city, have posted similar figures. Yes, this this is Hull City. Now, Hull City have uh, new owners, and they lost twenty million pounds on on an operating basis. Again, they had a a player sale, which offset some of those losses, but the owner still had to lend uh, an awful lot of money. What what really struck me about Hull City was that the wage bill increased by 86%. Wow. Now, you know, I, I'd take that at uni. I take 86% <laughs> pay rise since I started yeah, teaching as, yeah. as, as a big thank you. Um, so, you know, an, an 86% pay rise, a wage increase in the year. And Hull did have a bottom six budget. So it's, it's coming from, is it coming from a low base? Yes, it is. Um, but I, I think... From an optics point of view, the the clubs in the championship have put together, in general, a very persuasive case for additional financial support from the Premier League and said, look, yeah, we're trying to get our house in order and so on. If you've got one of those clubs saying, well, we've just increased our wage bill by 86% and we're paying £130 in wages for every £100 coming through the door... I, I can see those clubs in the Premier League, yeah, the likes of Palace and Brighton, where, where, where you know, Steve Parrish will say, well, why should we give more money 
to clubs in the championship if that's going to be how that money is going to be used. They're, just, you know, they're going to increase their wage bill by, by 86%. We, we are ultimately providing additional money for, for a club which could be competing with us uh, in a year or two in, in the Premier League or in the Championship, wherever it's going to be. And it doesn't help the, the EFL's argument for greater distribution, especially greater distribution with no strings attached. Yeah, well, though, to be honest, if I was Steve Parrish, I'd be uh, arguing for a lot more money to be given to Championship clubs at the moment. I'd be arguing to double it, treble it, as we might need it. Also, uh, if producer guy is listening, and I know he he listens to about one in five of these pods, uh, it, he might like to make a note that wages can go up as well as down. <laughs> and, and finally, Kieran, the, the club who posted a much, much lower loss, but in the context of, of the size of the club, it's probably still a huge amount of money for them. Yes, this is, this is Wealdstone, um, and Wealdstone, I think, came to prominence uh, due to the activities of of one of their fans a few years ago. I think he was at Whitehawk, which is which is East Brighton. Uh, and when I used to uh, when I used to referee, uh, Whitehawk uh, was one of the clubs I used to do quite on a regular basis. Cause I never used to live far away. Uh, and uh, yeah, so so the Wealdstone Raider is is a is a legendary piece of uh, uh, of social media involving uh, a bloke who is uh, not young and uh, not big, but still spiky. Uh, I think is the best way of describing it. Um, but they've lost seventy five grand, and you're saying, well, yeah, okay, it's tier sixties, and where it's going to be, um, somebody has to fund that seventy five thousand pounds. And what we are seeing in terms of the support for uh, football at lower levels is an increasing number of clubs becoming in an increasing number of precarious situations. So, you know, I, as you know, I, I, I work in the city of Liverpool and city of Liverpool FC, they're now hunting for a ground because they've fallen out with the club that they ground share. In. And um, is it a big club? It, it's a big club to the fans. And, and it provides an alternative for those fans that you know either can't or decide that they don't want to be going to to Goodison or Anfield or or, or Prenton Park on a regular basis due to you know it's it's too busy, it's too expensive, they've got no links, they they don't like Premier League football, whatever it is. Um, so the the issues as far as lower league football and the challenges that it's facing. Um, are, are still very much there, and there are there are too many city of Liverpool's and Nuneaton boroughs and so on um, that are are coming uh, across our radar at present, and it, it is concerning. Mm. <coughs> you say that Wheelstone fan is uh, a man of a certain age who's still spiky. Having seen that clip several times, I would say still a twat. Is what I would say. One man's spikiness is another man's twattiness. Um, our final story, Kieran, is you know Palace fans and fans of every club have their say an hour before kickoff when they see the team sheet coming out saying, "What the? Why is he not playing? Or why is he playing?" <laughs> um, uh, into Miami, you're having to justify a team selection uh, decision to uh, a higher a higher source, Kieran. Yes, um, Inter Miami have gone on a tour uh, involving a visit to to Hong Kong, and it looks as if the match was being subsidised to a certain extent by the Hong Kong authorities. 
why that is the case, um, I, I'm not going to go into uh, geopolitics of the area, but I think people can probably work out why. Um, and the thing is that many people have got no interest in Inter Miami. They see Inter Miami as being Lionel Messi plus 10 people as a sideshow, which which isn't fair to those. And, you know, David Beckham as well. Um, well, the ticket prices were obscene. You know, people were paying £350 a ticket for a for a glorified training exercise, which is, you know, as we know, is a pre-season friendly. Um, so Messi was injured and he was unable to play. And I think he did as much as sitting on the bench. So I think in the previous match, he'd played for seven minutes and this match. Um, and yeah, he, he, we appear to have a manager who has their best player who's injured and therefore says to that best player, uh, don't, don't play, which is... You know, perhaps have that discussion with Roy Hodgson, um, and you know, and, and, yeah, might be. Oh, you, you, that's, that's a bit radical. Um, so so Messi didn't play, and the, the the when when the team announcement was made, there were boos. There were boos all through the match. I think Inter Miami got absolutely tated as well. David Beckham came on to have a few words. He got booed, um, but it, it does does sort of beg a broader issue what do we ex- how do we see footballers are they elite athletes who should only therefore play where they are you know, appropriately fit or are they supposed to be performing seals which we just see as somebody that we can go and take a photograph of of a pitch to prove oh i was there i've seen messi in the flesh and that appears to be the reaction of of many of the fans who attended the match um yeah we, we i've i remember being in that pub with you last season when uh, Palace played Brighton and uh, James Tompkins was included in the squad and there was a there was a collective groan <laughs> which yeah. which ironically when uh, he was he scored he scored the equaliser so <laughs> yeah. you know but, but and I absolutely get that and, and we do exactly the same just matter what teams oh no you know, such and so such and such in oh, I'm, I'm gutted but I would never boo because an injured player can't come on the pitch and and, and that does seem to be uh, the reaction of the the new school of thought of football of fans you know we are we are legacy fans we'll go regardless um, and we go to see the team rather than an individual that that mentality is not always going to be the case when it comes to superstar players yeah, see what Roy Hodgson would have done were he the manager of Inter Miami was wait till they were three 0 down, then bring Lionel Messi on for five minutes and put him out for the rest of the season. But it, I, I absolutely agree one hundred percent with what you say, Kieran, about the fact that most of the fans turning up to see this game, I, I suspect for most of them it will be the first game they've ever seen live. To be perfectly honest, um, and I'm sure they're all big fans of football, but. Yeah, it's a bit disingenuous of Inter Miami, really, because they're not, as you say, they're not paying for Inter Miami to come out no. and play. They're paying for Lionel Messi. So even if you just walk him around the pitch or put him on for the first five minutes or the last five minutes and say to the Hong Kong team, "Don't tackle him," because that's what people have paid the money for. But it's, it's also very interesting because, as you imply, if if it is the Chinese authorities who subsidised this game in the first place, it's an interesting one considering their recent change of attitude to football which is that they're a, a guinea you know we've mm. we've seen them um, 
in, encouraging Chinese businessmen not to invest in 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 certainly in Western football. So that would be. I'd be intrigued as to why they did, they have subsidised it, which it seems they have done, Kieran. Yeah, and, and they, they put out an announcement to say that they are very disappointed and they, given that they have had some financial support, they are considering their options. Um, so we we wait we, we await developments. Of course, you've seen the end of Messi play, haven't you, which I'm rather jealous yes. about. Yeah. yeah. Although, and, honest, and, he, and he was brilliant. You know, yeah, there yeah, is no so. doubt... For me, the best player I've ever seen, and that was just for 90 minutes, I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo play for Portugal, play for Manchester United and so on. Uh, I've, I've always been team Messi. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm more jealous of the fact that you saw Ray Crawford play for Colchester against yeah. Leeds in that, in that <laughs> argu- arguably the most famous uh, cup tie of all time. And Thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. You know what, again, I, think I nearly forgot the words that I had to look them up on producer, <laughs> producer guy's email. Every every day I say to guy, don't bother sending the last bit. I, I can remember it, and it turns out I couldn't. I had to check it. Uh, thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that'd be very kind of you, and you'll get access to our chat community and our regular quizzes, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show on our regular Monday questions pod, you can email us at questions at priceoffootball.com and you can go to the same website if you want to buy some of our merchandise, which I believe, Kieran, is a T-shirt. Yes. At at the moment, a a T-shirt at the moment, I believe. We will be back on Monday for our next questions pod. In the meantime, I hope you have a lovely weekend. I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, thanks for everybody for getting in contact. Thanks for our uh, our secret correspondents uh, who who do assist us when we're putting the stories together. Um, uh, we we always respect your integrity and your anonymity. Um, there's there's a variety of ways of supporting the show. One of those ways is to give us a review uh, through through your app, which you listen to the show via. And uh, by all accounts, it it doesn't matter what you say. So you could even say. Uh, and I've got no idea what these two people have in common. You could even say you would rather have the show presented by Boris Johnson and Kyle Walker. And I wouldn't, know, <laughs> wouldn't complain. <laughs> oh, they'd, they'd be having a moan about child allowance, wouldn't they? Really? <laughs> That's very fair. That's very funny. Bye, everybody. Bye. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.